Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio family, good morning. And once again, the weekend is upon us and so is the weekend edition of Community Focus. Welcoming you to our public affairs show heard on our intercom stations every Saturday and Sunday morning is the opportunity to engage in conversation with members of our community focus family. And this particular weekend, Radio Family, it's the time to bring the conversation on race in America to our public affairs program. And I couldn't think of a better person to get feedback, insight, as to especially everything that we have seen going on whether in the last several days, weeks, or even years, if we think about it. Because this member of our community focus family is, one, an advocate for single fathers who want to obtain custody and really want to step up and do the right thing in taking care of their child or their children. But even more so, Eric Leggett, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming back on the program. First of all, we have not talked in a while. And so it's good definitely to have family back here on the weekend edition of Community Focus. But as I alluded to, you being an advocate for helping single fathers, in particularly you yourself, sir, are a father. Uh But in perspective, you're also a black man. And so... This will really give us an opportunity as a radio family and as a listening audience to really find out how you're feeling in the times which we are living in currently, and especially the impact of everything that we've been seeing and hearing in the news has been impacting black men and equally so our black communities. And so I really appreciate uh, you coming on the program and especially, and we just talked about this before that on-air light came on here in the studio, that the guests that I initially had planned to have on the show, uh, plans did not work out accordingly. Uh, Things came up to where I never heard from the individual. And so I thank you for stepping up to the plate because I try not to be a last-minute person. When I invite Radio Family to come on the program, because I certainly want to have you have time to be just as prepared as I am when it comes Uh time for us to engage in that conversation. So welcome back and and, and thank you for for taking the time to do this. 
Well, thank you. You know, like I've said to you off off air, you know, anything for you because you've been my biggest supporter since I came to North Carolina 15 years ago. So anytime you need me, you know, I I will be there. Well, thank you very much. And that's what we we need to do for each other is be there Mm -hmm. for each other. So my brother, coming from your sister, again, I really do appreciate you being here on this weekend edition of Community Focus. And again, as I just stated, to have the much needed conversation, the conversation has always been there, but it's like it's been kind of muffled. And now in, in recent light, as to what, as I mentioned, we've seen going on in the world, particularly, of course, with with the tragic deaths of, of George Floyd. It really right. has brought the conversation to the forefront, even for those who really don't feel comfortable in having this type okay. of conversation. And so right. I, I wanted us to, going forward or initially begin, Eric, by asking, do you recall or remember... Particularly, what were you doing the day of May 25th, 2020, when you heard the news about George Floyd? Um, I remember that day I was I was running errands. Mm-hmm. And after I ran some errands, I came back home. I'm, I have to admit, I'm, I'm addicted to news. Right. And I'm I'm trying to wean myself off because some of it gets to be a little bit too much. Absolutely. And it can be overwhelming. And and believe me when I add that you are not alone, because that's the one thing. And I think even more so for someone in my line of work or in my profession, that's that's what I do for a living. Right. So that by the right. time I come home, I have to decompress because if I don't, you're right. Trying to stay informed is is so important, but at the same time, your sanity is just as equally important. And you have to step back so that you can recalibrate and you can get your thoughts together so that you can, when the next day arrives, Uh rather, you Uh can sort of process. It gives you an opportunity to process everything that you've taken in for that particular day. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to add that there are a lot of us who have that same feeling that you do. We watch a lot of it, but sometimes at the same time we have to step back or step away from it. Exactly. And, and, um, but I remember coming home and turning on CNN and seeing the footage. Um, at first I wasn't going to look at it. Mm -hmm. And then I forced myself to look at it and I just, I'm not going to lie to you. I just kind of let allowed the tears to flow. Yeah, because that was going to um, be my next question. What were your emotions at that time? How were you feeling? Well, Renee, I I don't talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a pre-existing uh, heart condition, right. and part of the condition sometimes is uh, the way he was laying. Mm-hmm. When I had my heart surgery seven years ago. Um, it was traumatic because it it was designed to be one uh, surgery, but it, due to some complications, it led to three surgeries in three wow. days. Wow. Three heart surgeries. One where I actually flatlined on the table, um, and they had to uh, shot my heart back to, to life. 
So after that experience, I cannot lay flat down mm-hmm. on a bed. Yeah. I have to be propped up. And I cannot lay down on my stomach. Mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Wow. So I put myself in his position. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, laying down on the ground alone would have probably sent me into cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And to watch someone be that callous. And hear this man calling out his mother. Mm-hmm. That's what did it to me. And I just said to myself, that's a different level of evil mm-hmm. that you're looking at. Yeah. And um, it hurt. It hurt. It, it okay. really, really, it really hurt me mm-hmm. um, to see that. Because when I see things like that, the first pe- the, the first thing I think about is their family members. Absolutely. When Kobe died, the yes. first thing I thought about mm-hmm. was his children and his wife. Absolutely. And can I just oh. can I just interject uh-huh. there when when we uh-huh. look at just this this year of 2020 thus far and we're only the first six and a half months in. Uh-huh. You know, beginning of the year, I think for a lot of us Eric, this was going to be the our breakthrough year, as typically is the case that when a new year approaches, we're expecting new and exciting things to take place. And uh-huh. up until January 26, everything seemed to be fine. And then, like you said, the news broke about Kobe and his daughter, uh-huh. Gianna Bryant's death. Uh-huh. And so... That was the moment to process that information. February, unknown to us because it wasn't for another month and a half that we thought or heard about anyway in the media about Ahmaud Aubrey and what happened with him because he initially lost his life in February. But like I said, that didn't come to light until nearly two months later that we're now hearing it. And then came March. And it was like an atomic bomb got dropped when we heard about a virus that none of us had ever, ever heard before. What is this coronavirus thing? And we're and yeah. we're thinking, okay, is it is it a flu-like type symptom? Which every year somebody gets sick from the flu. Sadly, many die from it. But it was like the difference was as much as we knew about the flu, we still went about our everyday lives. But then the shock of being told, we have to be quarantined. We got to stay home. We can't go anywhere. We we can't go to work. We can't go to school. We can't frequent our favorite eating places. We can't go to concerts. We can't do diddly squat. And, And we pretty much have been in that situation up until... At best, the beginning of this particular month as more reopening phases are taking place. But then at the same time, we're trying to get to some type of return to routine. Now we're hearing spikes in cases of coronavirus and more people being hospitalized than when this pandemic initially broke. 
So in short, to say all of that, 2020 has just been one of the most unusual years, I think, for many of us, and likely the existence of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's been extremely, extremely difficult. It has. And and um, just to get back to George Lloyd, um, I've seen a lot of horrible things in the, in the 50 years that I've been alive. Yeah. But I, I think that that was probably the, the, the worst of it because mm-hmm. I actually watched the man die. Yeah. Um, and with a would... man, with a man with a knee on his leg, with yeah. not a care on his neck, mm-hmm. without a care in the world. No. Like, yeah, I, you know, he had to look like, yeah, you know. Right, and you, and you saw exactly what the majority of people saw. Now, I chose not to to watch the video because I knew it would just be too disheartening for me and likely in in similar vein with with you Eric emotions would have been all over the place but I I I did see the moment where they captured that shot and particularly when it was later revealed how long that officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck 8 minutes and 46 seconds as that man's life was slowly escaping from his body. And like you said, even to the point he was calling out his mother, who Uh actually had died two years on that same date. And, And you're right. I think for those who did watch the video to see the expression of, if, if being inhumane had a picture, I think we saw it that day. Yeah, because of the way be- he, he stared into the camera and, and, and really the, the fact that he, he just really didn't care. I think he, and he obviously had to have known he was being filmed. Of course, of course he did. Of course he did. And, and what, what people are seeing globally and understanding is that there is a godlike complex when it comes to these police officers. Can I share with you something that happened yesterday um, involving a police officer Certainly. yesterday? Mm-hmm. Okay. How timely that this happened. Um, just to earn a little extra mo- money, sometimes I'll drive for Lyft for a couple of hours every other day or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a white passenger in, in the, in the back seat and, um, I picked this young man up several times and he lives in an apartment complex. And as we are coming out, it's a very narrow street. Right. Um, Come out of the narrow street. Police lights come on and he comes out. The police officer comes out and says, I was going 49 Mm -hmm. in a 25 miles per hour zone. And the rider in the back said, that's impossible. There's no way he was going that fast. Mm -hmm. And long story short, he gives me a ticket. He sees the gentleman in the back who's Caucasian like him. Mm -hmm. So now it goes, the speeding ticket goes down to from 49 to 34 miles per hour, Mm -hmm. which meant that I really wasn't speeding at all. But it's, 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 I think the presence of someone that looks like him, Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I can't get away with the 49, so I'm going to do the 34. Mm -hmm. Um, 
since I've been in High Point, I have been racially profiled. Mm. And I've, I contacted the congressman in High Point because every time it seems like I've gotten a ticket, the way I drive, I mm-hmm. keep my hand top wheel so I can see the speedometer. Right. And every time I've been pulled over, I don't even know if they're all black officers in High Point. I don't know, because I've never seen one. Right. So you have this godlike complex from this profession that have taken away the word, the two words, public serving. You understand? So where does the two words, where does it fit in for that profession? When you're a public servant, when you're a servant, there are characteristics that's attached to that word. Patience, understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in, in, in the case of, of this profession, um, diffusing conflict. Do you see any of those words in that line of profession? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't. I don't. So it is. It's not to say that they're all bad police officers. Correct. Right. But there is a problem. And the problem is is very fundamental. It's very fundamental. Are you policing color or are you policing citizens? And from what I see, they're policing color. And, and hence- that's not being that's not being a public servant. Thank you for wanting to share that. Uh, very unfortunate that that happened to you, Eric, but that's that's the reality that we find ourselves mm-hmm. in. And you're not the only one by any means. And hence why, again, I appreciate us getting together for this conversation. I'm thankful, too, that we have a part two and we really can get into the depth of race in America. And I appreciate you again, Family, it is always good to have you here on the weekend edition of Community Focus. Yes, yes, you know, and and what this time has done, uh, it has really pushed me more to get back to a spiritual foundation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the game that I'm not going to play is to get into conversations related to why you think I'm worthy. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to play mm-hmm. that game. Right. I'm going to play the game of why why you think I'm worthy of your respect. Mm-hmm. I'm not explaining myself. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm just I'm just not going to do that because I was raised that I was raised and I was I was made in God's image. Absolutely. And because I was made in God's image, that means I'm acceptable to him. Exactly. So if I'm acceptable to him, I'm acceptable to everybody. Exactly. You hit it right on the head, my friend. I'm glad we're going to have more of this conversation. So let's take this break and come back with more of the weekend edition of Community Focus. And I thank you, too, Radio Family, for your listenership and for engaging in this conversation with us by listening. Eric Leggett and I, Renee Vaughn, we will return. We thank you for tuning in, and you are listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus, and we will be back right after this.
We're back. It is more the weekend edition of Community Focus, your great company, radio family, and indeed the company of members of our Community Focus family. That is definitely the case in Eric Leggett, who joins in conversation with me, Renee Vaughn, and we're continuing in part two of our conversation on race in America. And again, uh, Eric, I really do appreciate your feedback and your input. One thing to, first of all, catch those or to catch up those who may not have been with us on the first half of the program, we were definitely hearing from you in your feedback and particularly in your reaction to the death of George Floyd on May 25th. And when we think about just in the loss of life, particularly with black Americans and not just the older ones, because I think Mr. Floyd was about 46 years of age. So he was around the age group that you and I are in because both of us are at 50. But then when we think about going back to 2012, when a 16, 17 year old child by the name of Trayvon Martin lost his life. And then it just seemed like, Every, if it wasn't every week, every other year, we are we were hearing about others who were dying mm-hmm. in such a tragic fashion. Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, yep. uh, even Breonna Taylor, and and just the horrific way in which her life was tragically taken. And so it it just seems that. As we were talking about earlier, you recalling what you were doing on that particular day. I mean, think about when, just in perspective, if a, if a person is asked, do you remember what you were doing, when someone well or well-known had died? Let's say if you ask many of those, and these are mainly our parents and grandparents who were around during the civil rights movement. Many of them remember what they were doing when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Many Uh of them remember when Malcolm X was assassinated. Many of them remember the day, as if it were yesterday, when Megger Evers, who was a part of the NAACP, the man murdered, shot to death in his own driveway, Even when we think about if you ask most people if they remember what they were doing the day that President Kennedy was assassinated or even the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. And I I make this point because these are such prolific times in our life in which a person who was trying to do right by other individuals representing their particular color, their race, their heritage, and to just have their life just snuffed out for no particular reason reason other than hate. Mm-hmm. And here we are yep. in 2020, and we're still, still ha- thank you, it's still happening. Still happening. Still, still going happening. on. Now on, and, and the re- mm-hmm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead. And, and the reason why it's still happening is because what I'm learning about adults, in, in, in my mind, adults have regressed in the last 20 years. It, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of 
adults with, with conviction. And what I mean by conviction, when you look at those officers, mm-hmm. you know, standing there around a man that they obviously know is being hurt. And they just stood there. I mean, you know, 30, 40 years ago when I was a teenager, I, I wouldn't imagine something like that happening, say, for example, in Brooklyn, New York, where I grew up. Right. I wouldn't imagine because that was back during the time where police officers was really part of the community. Exactly. You know, that's when community really exists. You know, in my neighborhood, the parents stuck together and watched me and my friends and we had a block association. Mm -hmm. We had a, you know, lady that did Bible study and all this type of thing. And, we had a great relationship with the precinct. Mm-hmm. So I say that because I don't think something like that would have happened. And it's, it's too much focus on the bottom line. What's the bottom line? Mm-hmm. It's usually money and protecting your job, keeping your mouth shut, so on and so forth. And this is what you have. When you have, when you have a system that says, oh, I could do this because I got the law behind me, I'll get off. Of course, it's going to keep happening. Of course, it's going to keep happening because there was nothing put in the place to say, okay, this needs to stop. This needs to mm-hmm. stop. And it took one man, one man. Mm-hmm. And, and it lets you know they still don't want to let this go. Because you're on social media just like I am. I've seen some of the most horrible things said about this man. He was this, he was that, um, so on and so forth. They don't want to get to the level of saying your colored skin matters. And that's what I've, I've seen on social media. But globally, people are saying of all colors, we support you because you do matter. So now you have a real, real strong battle between good and evil mm-hmm. right now. And it's going to, we're going to see how it's going to play out because it has gotten to the point where people have said enough is enough because to watch that man die yeah. in that type of fashion exactly. was disgusting. I mean, it, it just was. It was just disgusting, and I feel for his little his daughter. Yeah, exactly. Because that footage is up there for 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 life. Right. Unless somebody makes the decision and say, you know what? Unless the family steps in and says, you know, we want all footage of that to Removed. be taken off. The exactly. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. I don't know much about laws and public domain and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But if I was the family to protect that little girl, exactly, I'll do everything I could to get that yeah. that that footage off of the air. You raise a very good point in in that, Eric, because it also makes me think in in what you just expressed. And I remember a brother giving a, a talk on this the other night. He was saying that when we look at the current state of affairs with just, and and I'm just speaking about this country alone when it comes to race and just race relations in general, 
it's mm-hmm. he was saying basically people are seeing that even the law itself is exhibiting lawlessness mm-hmm. to where things are just so out of control. And like you said, protect and serve. Where is it now? It seems like it has just vanished. It has disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just the insensitive nature with which man is, is dominating man to his own harm. And in many cases, he's dominating man to his own death because he's, he's taking the life. And like you say, when you think about what not just George Floyd's family lost, but uh-huh. all the other persons that we have been talking about as we've uh-huh. been engaging in this conversation, what they've lost. They've right. lost a son. They've lost a daughter. They've lost a sister. They've lost a mother. They've lost an aunt. They've lost an uncle. They've lost a friend. They've lost a neighbor. And all of those losses, they start to build. And you think, why? Why did this have to happen? Because when I think about and, and getting back to, and not just watching the video of the murder of George Floyd, Eric, it was the nature of why those officers were even called in the first place. And you may recall it was the fact mm-hmm. that at the time the man was in a store and it was believed that he was, and it was a store that from my understanding and what was talked about in the media, he went to that store a number of times and never had an incident. Number and, of times. And on this one particular day, someone decides that because they assumed that he was using a counterfeit $20 bill and you sit there and when you really process everything that happened from that moment that those officers arrived on the scene and you say to yourself, this man lost his life over a counterfeit $20 bill. And can I add on, can I add on to that? Sure. Here's the thing. And this would happen to me a lot when I, when I was living in New York, Mm -hmm. there were times where I would give change and they would say, excuse me, sir, you have, this is a Canadian coin, or this is an Indian coin. Right. I wasn't trying to cheat anybody. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know. So who's to say this man actually knew? Right. Like, when we look at our money, and we give it to somebody, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't look at the dollar and go, well, you don't. I wonder if this is a counterfeit. No, I don't. Exactly. I mean, how many? And and you may have that. You may have that rare few that do. But like you said, the majority of us, we're just trying to make the exchange. We're just trying to make the monetary exchange, get what it is that we've purchased and be on our way. And be on our way. Mm-hmm. So you have people saying, oh, well, you know, he, he tried to give a counterfeit bill, this and that, that and the other. Yeah. It's always some excuse when it comes to our lives. And when you have a system that looks on you as as less than, that looks at you as subhuman, and I'm calling the spade a spade because the evidence is there. I'm not bringing up anything that we haven't seen before. When you see this type of pattern, yeah, they look at black men as animals. They look at us as subhuman. It is what it is. 
but that's the problem. So you're going to have police police officers looking at you as subhuman. This is the result. This is it. Your margin for error is very, very small, and things can escalate. And again, where does the two words public servant mm-hmm. come into play? It's just like going to a five-star hotel. You go to a five-star hotel, and when you leave that hotel, they want you to remember how you were how you were treated, so you can come back. That is an example of being a servant. Mm-hmm. That's someone saying we value you so much, right. we're going to treat you that way because we want you to come, come back. back. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Eric, let so me take this opportunity mm-hmm. to. Welcome those joining us. The weekend edition of Community Focus here on our intercom stations. And Radio Family, thank you for your company. And I certainly want to thank you, Eric Leggett, for the conversation that we're having here on this public affairs program on race in America. I just wanted to shift things a little bit that when Uh we have conversations like this, Eric, you're not only a father, but as Uh a black father, how do you have this type? of conversation of this nature with your children. And you're in a precarious situation, and I mean that in a good way, because you happen to be a father of girls. And, of course, on on certain subject matter, it's going to be a little different when you have the conversation with a daughter as you do with a son. But I'm sure there's likely to be some similarities, but because specifically you have daughters, what do you say to them? How do you prepare them so that if moments, as you were talking about earlier, when you were pulled over as, as a Lyft driver, when you had uh-huh. that, that incident with that particular officer, how uh-huh. do you get your daughters to, to understand, particularly and especially because this is likely the first time that this generation has seen firsthand the sheer ugliness that race relations in this country has generated. Because likely a lot of them only heard through you as a parent, and particularly with your parents, their grandparents, when they participated in a march or in a protest for Uh equal rights, for justice. Have you even had the opportunity to have this conversation with your daughters. Let me start there. I have, and it's different with boys. Right. Um, with, with my daughters, uh, I've shared with them, you pulled over, um, keep your hands on the steering wheel, do not move your hands from the steering wheel until they give you instructions. Don't reach for anything. When you're about to reach for something, say, okay, I'm going in my glove compartment. I'm about to get X, Y, and Z. I've even I've even shared with them call somebody mm-hmm. when they go and if they feel like they're going to give you a ticket and they go back to the car, call somebody. Say I was pulled over. I'm gonna put you on speakerphone. I just want you to hear the exchange right, right. because I you know me. Mm-hmm. I've 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 built my whole career off of being encouraging people to be proactive instead of reactive. Yes, you have. And that, and that to me is being proactive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So those are the instructions that I give to them. Do what they ask and and keep your answers to a minimum. Mm -hmm. Answer their questions in very short phrases. Give them what they want and just move on. But the main thing I try to get across to them is when they go back to that car, mm-hmm. call a friend, call me. Absolutely. Say, Daddy, I got pulled over, so on and so forth. And I'll just, I say, well, put me on speakerphone mm-hmm. and just put your phone by, on the chair so I can hear everything. Absolutely. And it's sad that you have to do this. And, and, and that goes back to the basic fundamentals of this problem. Mm-hmm. For the simple fact that my brother, my sister, my other brother, We'll all have sons. I'm the only one. That has all girls. Wow. I'm the only one. Yeah. Simple fact that they have to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. That right there should have been a a key, I mean, just a key footnote to say, as far as the profession as a whole, Mm -hmm. say, why do we have one race of people talking to their children about that and not another. Mm, And again, they're policing race. It's not hard. It's not hard. That's the thing about being a dog. Adults like to really make things difficult, not difficult. You have one, you have black people who have to have this conversation. I mean, white, how many white families have this conversation with their sons? Let's be honest. That's a good question. Okay, so if that's if if there's two different sets of of treatment, then you cannot dispel my argument that you are policing race. You're not policing citizens. Does that make sense? And Eric, I wanted to also add to that particular statement and to the conversation that we're having this morning. And we, we actually talked about this before we went on air. I had mentioned earlier on the program, first of all, that you have continued to be an advocate in helping single fathers, particularly mm-hmm. through your organization that, like you said, when you were still living in New York, Fathers with Voices. And I meant to mention this earlier in the program. Probably our listeners are very familiar with you as a member of our community-focused family. And likely those same fathers that you have helped are tuning in to the conversation we're having this morning. But you are also the author of quite a few books, and I, and I mm-hmm. wanted to interject in, in, in this conversation. You have a new project that's out or that's in the works. Talk about mm-hmm. that, and this is actually a two-part question, because after your response to that, in light of recent events that have taken place, do you as an author have any plans to actually write a book on race? I haven't, I've thought about it. Yeah. And with me, the writing process is I have to really feel the direction I want to go to before I actually sit down in front of my computer. Understandable. And that's, that's my process. Right. Um, so uh, the answer question number two, I, I do, I have daughters. So a very sensitive issue for me is domestic violence. Right. Right. Um, I'm seeing the demographic between 17 to 35, um, this, this, this mindset of 
the inability to accept rejection, mm-hmm. where a lot of the stories that I, I came across uh, in terms of, you know, young ladies being, you know, beaten and murdered and go down to the, the bottom of the of the article and it says, well, you know, she didn't want to see him anymore. So right. I've had to teach my daughters how to break up yeah. with this generation mm-hmm. of young men. Mm-hmm. So that's my speech to them. Right. It's related uh, to domestic violence. And the name of the book is 10 Warning Signs. Is your date a deadbeat or deadly? Mm. And I wrote this book um, because I, through Fathers with Voices, I, there was a small population of men that began contacting my program who, very clear, they did not want to accept responsibilities for their actions. Right. Their, their, their statements was, you know, she made this decision. Mm-hmm. It's all on her. Right. But the problem with that type of attitude is a lot of times with those type of situations, it ha- it's showing that it leads to violence and murder because a lot of people don't know a lot of single mothers have already been murdered by their children's fathers mm-hmm. as they were involved in child support and custody cases. Wow. So I felt like it was my responsibility mm-hmm. to write this type of book to let single women know you need to watch out for these warning signs before you decide to become intimate Mm-hmm. And put yourself in a position where you might become in, in, impregnated by someone who has no intentions of, of stepping up to the plate. Exactly. Okay. So that's the that's the book. I'm very. This is a book that's very important to me, mm-hmm. and it's important to me because I have daughters. Exactly. And I'm always in their ears um, about you know how to break up with with young men that you know they don't see uh, a future with and the 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 website is 10warningsigns.net and you know all the information is on there thank you for sharing that eric because uh, you you know me i'm always or at least i'm trying to be a person that thinks ahead and i think that is a very important issue an additional issue that i would love to readdress and to bring back to this public uh-huh. affairs program because it is very important for is. young women who are listening to this program and particularly young men as well. And I think everybody, and that's another important conversation that people feel uncomfortable about. And that's talking uh-huh. about domestic violence. So we're going to make plans to bring you back on the program to specifically refocus on what uh-huh. you just shared with the book. Cause that is a powerful title. But unfortunately, as always, you're so welcome. Time runs out when we engage in conversation. So I wanted to, to ask this last question. Where do we go from here to try to heal? Well, the first thing I would suggest, and I'm not pushing any religion, I get back to the basic of a spiritual foundation. Um, and we have to listen. Mm-hmm. Listen, listen to each other without judgment you know I, I i thank you for saying that because mm-hmm. and i noticed this about you when we first met that you are a person who very much is a man of faith and i appreciate you for that my brother because it makes me think of a proverb that says safeguard practical wisdom 
and thinking ability. And we need to have the ability to go back to thinking about our actions and the repercussions that they have when those actions are enforced. Uh-huh. whether to ourselves or to someone else, particularly someone else who doesn't look like us. Right. Yeah. Right. So those, those would be the things yeah. that I would suggest going forward and just love each other. Absolutely. You know, we're all, all in this earth. We're all going to lead the same way. No one is better than the next person because, again, we all have to leave this place. Mm-hmm. So I think one person be better than the other, and we all are going to have to leave this life at some point. Just love each other and try to and listen to each other and understand how people are feeling. Give people the chance to mm-hmm. to, to articulate their feelings without without judgment and try to understand. That is a beautiful way to bring this conversation to a close. And I want to personally say to you, Eric Leggett, my brother, you matter. And you're welcome. And to a lot of other people who know you, you matter. I appreciate that. Absolutely. But even more so, I'll end by saying this. We have a grand creator and you matter to him. Yes. And so do you. Thank you very much. I so appreciate that. And so on that note, you also know from me, my brother, there are never any goodbyes. Just until next no. time. Just until next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Never any- That's right. Absolutely. So I, I do indeed look forward to that next time. Eric Legat, thank you for joining me here on the weekend edition of Community Focus. Thank you, my sister. You stay strong. Thank you. You do likewise. And that okay. is for you as well, radio family. We thank you for your company. We thank you for the good things you're doing in our communities. And you matter as well. We love you and thank you for your time. And indeed, no goodbyes. Until that next time, we do bring to a close another weekend edition of Community Focus. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of this day and the rest of this weekend. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.